Welcome, foolish mortals, to the olgeenscene.com podcast. Death, the great equalizer, the fate of all mortals. The shadow of death eclipses us all. But what awaits behind the dark veil of the physical? A blessed reward? A terrifying punishment? The inky blackness of the nothing? These are the profound and philosophical questions. Hmm, interesting questions, Mr. Spooky Voice. (laughs) And we sure as hell don't know. Come on. So we recently went to a funeral, and it got us thinking about funerals and death itself. We took a look at different customs and rituals throughout history, and even around the world. The rituals and traditions we found were as varied as belief itself. And today's show will focus on the unusual customs, but it seems they were all meant to sort of give the loved one the best shot at getting to the good place. Uh, maybe even checking in sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so when we come back, we'll see what counted as a respectable funeral or as possibly even a swing and wait. Join us now for our podcast on funerals. To ancient man, spirits were always close by. They lived in the trees, the sea, the earth, and came from the sky. They greatly influenced over mortal lives. They were petty and could be bought with a bribe. Sacrifices made for the harvest and good health of the tribe. Though prayers often went unheard, man did not retort, for he soon would be amongst these very spirits. Ancient man knew life was short. (laughs) (laughs) So life and death has been going on for millions of years, and uh, as far back as we can tell from history, how did ancient man dispose of their dead? Well, the earliest method of disposing the dead was by simple burial, by like, digging a hole. <laughs> uh, and this was practiced all throughout Europe, throughout the Stone Age. The body was usually laid down, sitting, or in a standing position. That's odd. In the case of a chief or warrior, the latter was used the usual method. Because hmm. the warrior or chief was standing. <laughs> Not even in death can they rest. He was clad in full apparel with his ornaments and weapons. Fancy. In ancient Spain, man's belief in spiritual existence is what prompted them to build burial mounds in order them to prevent them from returning to Earth. So it's like the first time the soul's back and they're like, well, I think they're dead. Well, I don't know. They might rise from the dead and come after us and that would be super creepy. Mm, Better throw a lot of extra dirt on top. (laughs) All the dirt. Celtic tribes believed that the spirit of their dead chief would actually keep watch and ward over them. Well, it would be like comforting at first, but then the people would be like, oh, yes, isn't it great to know our chief will always be watching over us? And then the one guy will be like, wait, 
He's not watching us all the time, is he? Like always? <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Too funny. The Gauls would burn some of the servants, slaves, and favorite animals of the dead chief or warrior, kind of like as a sacrifice to celebrate their funeral rites. <laughs> well, servants, the chief is dead. Come here. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. That's terrifying. When you're the wife, you're like, crap, he oh no, guess who's next? Yep. <laughs> That's Dur- rotten. During the Bronze Age, cremation and burial were practiced. Cremation was probably confined to the chiefs, heroes, and other important personages. Urns containing the incinerated remains have been found in most parts of Ireland. It would seem that cremation was introduced by a new concept of the relation of the soul to the body. According to the new view, the soul cannot go to the spirit land until the body had been destroyed by burning. The spirit haunted its whole habitation until the body was destroyed, and only then could it be departed into the world of shades. Go into the light. You are the light. <laughs> wow, that means people had Uncle Judy's urn sitting on their hut. Oh yeah, like years ago. <laughs> huh? That's crazy. And the uh, the old joke where it's like, oh, well, where's Uncle Bob? It's right there, <laughs> watching. <laughs> Thousands of years old. He's watching you. <laughs> So, ghost hosts will introduce us to our next set of cultures, which sort of borders between ancient and modern, because although it has very ancient roots, it's still around today. A passage to a spirit world to many Native American tribes. Many believe in two souls, one that lives on and one that dies. You become a part of nature and influence everyone's lives. Here life and death stand side by side, and the spirits are always close by. Thank you again, Ghost Host. So, Native American burial customs really varied widely from tribe to tribe. You know, Indians dispose their dead in a variety of ways. I mean, think about you know, North America, from the tip of Alaska all the way down to the southern tip of Mexico. Yeah, there's all kinds of Native Americans all over. So different tribes definitely um, said goodbye in in a variety of ways. In fact, Arctic tribes left their dead on the frozen ground for wild animals to devour. Talk about frostbite. (laughs) 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 Northwest Iroquois, before they formed the Five Nations Confederation in the 17th century, saved the skeletons of the deceased for a final mass burial that included furs and ornaments for the dead spirit to use in the afterlife. Northwest coastal tribes put their dead in mortuary cabins. Mortuary cabins? So it's like a normal cabin, but then you come home and you're like, hey, I'm home. Ah! (laughs) There's a bunch of bodies in here. Further south, California tribes practiced cremation. Hmm. Native Americans discarded personal ornaments or blackened their faces to honor the dead. Others gashed their arms and legs to express grief. Ouch. California tribes engaged in wailing. You know, like, oh, why? 
Oh my gosh, that reminds me. So there's a show called The Moaning of Life, and Carl Pilkington from the Ricky Gervais show goes around the world and explores different things that he has to complain about. Yeah, he's uh, sort of a cranky British guy. He doesn't like to do anything, really, or experience things. So as a joke, Ricky Gervais usually sends him out to some strange, far-off land where they'll have a lot of customs that he'll hate. (laughs) (laughs) And he definitely moans about everything that's there. So there was an episode that was based on death, and he went to different places, and one of which was Taiwan, where they have crying school. And these women were trying to teach him how to wail and cry and just be over dramatic and they get hired to come to funerals and act out yeah i I guess the tradition is the bigger the funeral the more you're missed and the more well wishers you have so they have everything from music and strippers to paid professional mourners who come in and say oh my and like they really really do it up they were trying to teach him how to cry and talk at the same time and he was doing a terrible job but these women are professionals right crawling on the ground so he she she was going why oh why oh i can't live without him <laughs> and he's just standing there so awkward <laughs> So, yeah, there's that. I guess that that transcends into other areas, not just... uh, Well, you know, I I would like professional mourners to come and be like, Oh, oh, God, why? (laughs) Well, I thought you wanted to be stuffed and put on the couch. That, too. too. (laughs) Don't you forget it. That's a running joke. Sorry. (laughs) The Southwest Hopi and ended up always wailing, wailing on the day of these uh, death ceremonies. But then they waited and cried a whole year later. <laughs> so you you get your crying out, you wait for a year, and then you cry again on on the year on the anniversary. The anniversary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It's one way to get it out of your system. Apache and Navajo tribes feared the ghosts of the deceased, who were believed to resent the living. (laughs) The mourning family purified itself ritually and moved into a totally new place to escape their dead family member's ghost. Talk about getting away from the relatives. That would suck, though. Could you imagine every time a family member dies, you're like, well, we got to pack up our stuff and move. Get out of here. Grandma's going to haunt our house, so. She go, or she's going to haunt the hell out of you. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> She'd be like, think of this face. Woo! <laughs> you don't want her watching you. <laughs> oh, no. Let's get out. <laughs> Good. All right, next up, Ghost House. Entering Valhalla is what a dead Viking aspired. He might begin in the ground or on top of a pyre. But a warrior's death was a ship set to sea, ablaze with the fire, eternally free. Cool, like in the movies. <laughs> Very rad. Um, so Viking funerals and, and burials uh, were quite interesting. Um, there were some burial mounds that were found in Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. However, the most popular way was burning the body, which usually took place 
to like go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, you know, the Viking funeral, like in old movies, they, they put the warrior on the ship on top of a pile of wood and they set the ship out to sea and somebody with a flaming arrow shoots the arrow into the ship, the whole thing lights up and he goes out, like you said, in a blaze of glory. So cool. <laughs> I like no- that. The Norsemen believe the hotter the flames, the higher the smoke, the closer the loved one came to Valhalla. It was important for Vikings to send their dead into the afterlife correctly. Cool, like the river sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Vikings also believed that if the dead were buried in a manner that reflected their social status on Earth, that they would enter Asgard with that same social status. Yeah, you know those places. They're hard to get into and impossible to rise up. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you said. (laughs) Gotta be on the list. Is your name on the list? I don't listen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They're also known to offer a sacrifice spouse or a close relative with the dead. (laughs) Why is this a tradition? (laughs) Again, your husband's dead. Come here. (laughs) <laughs> and that's all, you know, that's all, all we have on the Vikings. But I think it's so Viking and so metal that the way they get to heaven is on top of a column of fire rising to Mahala. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think we're going to take a little break and we'll be back with more. The Orkinsin.com podcast is made possible by this Squarespace. If you want to show your collections of skulls, bats, and other nice things, you can use Squarespace to put them online. Squarespace, put your stuff online. From Victorian England came the funeral rite. Medicine and machines saved lives and lit up the night. Death still carried on, but more out of sight. News of loved ones passing came at the speed of light. Now distance is less of a divide. Once family can gather for one last goodbye. Now trains could get you home in record time. And welcome back. So we're going to fast forward a little bit to Victorian England, about 1850-ish. And in this time, a little thing called spiritualism started to crop up. So spiritualism is these two beliefs, that contact with spirits is possible and that spirits are much more advanced than humans which leads spiritualists to now a third belief that spirits are capable of providing useful knowledge about moral and ethical issues. From the meaning of life and what happens after you die to, hey, honey, where'd you stash the family jewels? Hey, that's important to know. (laughs) I want to communicate with my dead one knowing where that stuff is. (laughs) In 1897, spiritualism was said to have more than 8 million followers Mm. in the United States and Europe, mostly drawn from the middle and upper classes. They only communicated with well-to-do ghosts. Oh, well, (laughs) la-dee-da. Spiritualism flourished for half a century without formal organization, attaining cohesion through periodicals, tours by trans lecturers, camp meetings, and the missionary activities of accomplished mediums. Many prominent spiritualists were women, 
and like most spiritualists, supported causes such as the abolition of slavery and women's suffrage. I'm contacting the spirits. The spirits demand you release their people from bondage. Also, the vote to vote out that brash a-hole Teddy Roosevelt. We're here for the vote. We're here for the vote. (laughs) According to spiritualists, anyone may receive spirit messages, but formal communication sessions or seances are held by mediums who claim thereby to receive information about the afterlife. Uh, real mediums. Not some weird cousin that hears voices after huffing glue. (laughs) (laughs) Spirits and ghouls, wherever you're at, give us a sign by talking through my aunt. (laughs) (laughs) So, also, what sort of cropped up in this time is the concept of formal mourning. That is, you know, wearing black and, and... funerals and all that type of stuff. Uh, the death of Prince Albert hey. led to the most serious mourner of all time, Queen Victoria. Oh, man, she was sad. Following <laughs> Victoria's example, it became customary for families to go through elaborate rituals to commemorate their dead. This included wearing mourning clothes, having a lavish and very expensive funeral, curtailing social behavior for a set period of time, and even erecting ornate monuments on their grave. <laughs> now, this reminds me of back in this time, the doctors weren't always sure if you're dead. You might just be really passed out. <laughs> Your spirit might just decide to jump back in the body. Hey, it was the old times. You know, things happened <laughs> back then. So this is kind of when the whole idea of awake came about. So that, you know, in case aunt wakes up again (laughs) this also gives the family time to show up um but you know there wasn't a whole lot of refrigeration back then which led to um odorous problem (laughs) so people were just uh in waiting before they got buried and uh you know if they did wake up and and they did happen to be buried alive People wanted to make sure that they had a sign, that they had some way of communicating with the living people that, hey, Uncle Joe is not dead. Please unbury him. This was a big fear. There's a lot of some urban myths and some true stories of people exhuming the coffin or the body because they needed to check on something or they had some jewel that they wanted back or something and finding the corpse with a look of terror on the face and, and scratch marks and scratch on the coffin <laughs> and just just the most horrific way possible so in order to make sure you were really, really gone, and they didn't, when after they buried you, it wasn't too late, they came up with this elaborate system of bells or various other alarms that you could trigger on the inside of the coffin to let people up top know, yo, I'm down here. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I ain't dead yet. <laughs> could you imagine if somehow the corpse got jostled or something like that and the bell started ringing and the whole family goes to, to dig up their relative? <laughs> 
I, I just can't even imagine. Um, also, they had uh, coffins with windows. Oh. So in case, um, you know, up until burial day, maybe they could see that, hey, he's winking or he's breathing, he's waking up. Um, and also just the idea of, of embalming was new. So you lasted a little while longer. So people could come in and be like, oh, look how natural he looks and all that type of stuff. Well, the coroner's got to come in and put a lot of makeup on if they've been waiting around for a week in a not-refrigerated area. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, this actually led to the next thing we want to talk about, which is post-mortem photos. It goes hand-in-hand with embalming and all this type stuff. Um, And to us in 2016, it seems like the most morbid idea, taking the image of a mother posing with a dead child. But in the 19th century, post-mortem photography was all the rage. In an era when epidemics of typhus and cholera claimed the lives of thousands of American children and many others succumbed to conditions which nowadays could be cured by antibiotics, death was a really common place. But it made it no less painful. And one way of coping with the grief was through photographs or daguerreotypes, as the earliest photos were known. Because of prohibitive cost, few people in the 19th century could afford to go to a photographic studio to take family portraits while they were alive. So these were the only pictures they would ever have to remember their beloved children. Now, we took a look at these online. And, oh my gosh, there's some of the creepiest things you have ever seen. First off, sometimes you can't tell which one of these children is dead. You can see a whole family photo and everyone looks pretty propped up and wide awake, but often they ended up drawing eyes on these poor children to make them look like they were just sitting there smiling with their family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been people stating that some of these are fake, that they just propped up people because the exposures took so long back then. And that's the case with some of the photos with some people just wanting to sell them to weirdo collectors. But a good portion of these are real. And some range from kind of sad to I, I hilariously disturbing, <laughs> like something you would see at a Marilyn Manson video. Now just pose with the corpse <laughs> a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah. And by all means, most of these look like just a, you know, you know, you've seen these sepia tone family portraits in the old days type thing. But. Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm a photographer, and I do know how important it is to have a wonderful family photo taken. But to look back at a photo hanging on your wall, knowing that, you know, that kid was not really there in the photo with you is just super morbid. Yeah. And and especially like um, there's sometimes they're all dressed in the same sailor suit or something and it's like get with your brother that's a memory that these poor kids had to take with them forever and after the first couple of weeks they came around and started talking again right it's very (laughs) traumatic very well um, if you like creepy morbid stuff I suggest going to like Pinterest or somewhere and taking a look they're very interesting actually Um, if not the creepiest thing you possibly have ever seen And yeah, if you don't want the nightmares, you can just skip it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about funeral rituals around the world. Cool. 
for the living. Come on down to get your family portrait done prior to tragedy, death, or illness. For your pre-mortem photograph, contact Photography by Crystal. Worldwide funerals are as varied as culture. You may be buried at sea or consumed by a vulture. You may find these rituals macabre, blasphemous, or crass. But belief comforts grief when a loved one comes to pass. Ah, yes, you're very right about that, Ghost House. Now, there's a big world, and there is a lot of different cultures, and, you know, a lot of different beliefs, and a lot of different ways of saying goodbye. So here's a few that stuck out to us. So my number one here is the sky burial in Mongolian Tibet. So many Buddhists in Mongolian Tibet believe that spirits go after they die, that they move on and become just an empty vessel. So to return to earth, the body is chopped into pieces and placed on a mountaintop, which exposes them to all of the elements, including hungry vultures. Hmm. I imagine that leads to a culture-wide fear of vultures. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it does. It's a practice that's been done for thousands of years. And according to a recent report, about 80% of Tibetans still choose to do it that way. Wow, that's that's the way to go. Well, in Madagascar, the Famidadana Jamba Jamba tradition entails exhuming the body of a relative every five to seven years and dancing with it around town. Oh, God, that's horrific. <laughs> well, I imagine it's a little macabre, but uh, probably very festive. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> There's some Filipino death traditions that I was looking into where the Filipinos um, blindfold their dead, place them next to the main entrance of their house, uh, get dressed in their best clothes, and then sit them on a chair and place a lit cigarette between their lips. Are you supposed to come in and say, go say goodbye to your uncle? Yeah, well, you're supposed to tell him, well, you should have smoked when you were dead. (laughs) Not when you were alive or you wouldn't have ended up this way. Enjoy your cigarette. Now, we've seen this one on the same program about Carl Pilkington about death. And this is a tradition in Ghana. And they make what's called fantasy coffins. And they are designed to represent the departed's passions and can even mimic everyday objects so now these are really cool shaped coffins uh there's a car a pen a boat uh you name it plane a fish yeah whatever the person did in life if they were a writer they wanted to be buried in a big pen (laughs) or for carl he wanted to be buried in a (laughs) a pack of twix with his (laughs) wife <laughs> so he's go he's just supposed to be checking this place out and, and showing it on TV and then he's like, you know what? I think I want one of these. Fair enough, that's really cool. So the guy asks him what he wants, he thinks about it, and he comes back with a package of Twix and he says, You know, this is great. I love Twix. There's two, one for me, one for my wife. <laughs> I don't know how she felt about that. Honestly. <laughs> hmm. The Torja from Indonesia honored their ancestors by exhuming the bodies, giving them a makeover, 
and walking them around town as if they were alive once more. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Another one where they just take the dead out and parade them around. Um, I don't know. There's something about the makeover that's even creepier, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you were the makeup artist. Well, because if it's every five to seven years, that means you have like a picture with grandma and all these different styles long after she's gone. <laughs> Yikes. So if I can't manage to get you all dolled up and parade you around town, how'd you like a jazz funeral from, like, New Orleans? Ooh, what's that? <laughs> well, big, big horn band culture is at the heart of New Orleans, as you know. So it's not a surprise that they play music even when people die. Mm -hmm. Funeral processions are often led by a big horn band, which plays sad tunes at first, but then is followed by an upbeat jazz blues number. <laughs> uh, Accompanied by furious dancing. Furious dancing. I love that. Furious dancing. Just dance your blues away. <laughs> Sounds festive too, like a whole parade. Yeah, that's a nice send-off. I kind of think so too. <laughs> well, another fun one is an ancient and now outlawed Buddhist monk tradition of self-mummification. Now, this involves a strict diet and drinking a poisonous tea to rid the body of moisture while sitting in an air-conditioned room underground until found dead. So they basically commit suicide. Yes, very, very slowly by drinking this tea that very slowly kills them and dries them out. So what you're left with is sort of this peaceful-looking, Buddha-looking pose <laughs> that's probably peaceful but kind of creepy yeah <laughs> dead very dead yeah wow there are some crazy traditions that happen around the world and are still happening to this day well yeah and like the ghost has said though you know would you believe is what you know you look to for comfort during those times um do we read say? <laughs> all right so which brings us to our next ghost host passage the modern age is an unusual place ashes can be pressed into a diamond or launched into space your social media becomes a memorial to you in your day and your place ah uh, yes that is true indeed ghost host now Upon researching this, we found some crazy stuff that's happening uh, that you could choose to do after you go. Um, and I'm getting the feeling that people want to be made into things. <laughs> yes. For example, in Korea, they have something called burial beads. So in South Korea, a law had passed in 2000 that requires anyone... Um, buried to have been removed out of the grave after 60 years because there wasn't enough space. Um, cremation had become more popular, but families don't always want to opt for the ashes. So now companies are compressing your remains into gem-like beads in turquoise, pink, or black, and these are called death beads that are displayed in the home. Oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like gems. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in the States, uh, we are trying to go more environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. So that means skipping the embalming process altogether and just getting a woven willow casket, which will decompose into the ground. Huh. I, I also saw a venture where they want to put you in the ground with a, 
a acorn or a seedling for a tree. Oh, yeah. So you become part of the tree. That's pretty incredible. Which is actually, yeah, that's pretty neat. I like that. Then so you're, like, you and the tree, the tree become, yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty cool one. Another great one from here is uh, a memorial reef ball. There's a company called Eternal Reefs, and they compress your remained, remains into a sphere that's actually like a reef in the ocean, providing a habitat for the sea life. Huh. Isn't that pretty cool? That's pretty cool. I saw another one where your ashes can be mixed into plastic, and then that plastic fed into a 3D, 3D printer, and then you could have a bust of your head made with you in it. <laughs> That'd be much better than you being stuffed and put on the couch. <laughs> Just well, say. Yeah, I guess. Or, or, or... We could turn you into a diamond. So when you pass, we can actually get your ashes compressed into an actual diamond. Um, they can choose the weight, the cut, and the color. And then you can put it on a band and keep it as a ring. That sounds lovely. I'll finally be valuable. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw uh, mixing the ashes into the plastic and making a record with your favorite songs or your voice or things like that. That's kind of cool. And we've also gone to Body Worlds, where if you donate your body to this artist, he actually plasticizes your body and puts you in a various pose and maybe just decides to show your muscles only or <laughs> your veins only. Or slice you crosswise. Oh, my gosh. There's like a big, giant 400-pound man that they've sliced crosswise, and you can see the layers of fat. And it's, Oh, wow. It's incredible. Um, uh, these... People who like to have this done, I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool though, and you would think it'd be spooky, but it's uh, it's pretty neat. It's really educational, I think, for children and adults alike to mm -hmm. see something like that up mm -hmm. close and personal. Really get a look at what makes you you. Well, that's at least the meat computer, <laughs> <laughs> the bag of meat and bones. <laughs> for me, really, you know. I'm a donor for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, donate anything that that I have in me, mm -hmm. um, you know, to other people. And and if that's, you know, dedicated to science or, or you know, curing cancer or mm -hmm. whatever else, like, let it be done. You know, my, my body is an empty vessel. Now, all these sound fun. Um, you know, I, I, all these sound great for me. But as far as being stuffed and put on the couch, there was a guy who had it done. He's a old uh, thinker type named Jeremy Bentham, mm -hmm. some sort of philosopher in the mid 18th century. And he had his he wanted his body preserved like you would a taxidermy Ooh. creature. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, he wanted his head treated uh, like the Moray would do, the Moray tribe. And this ended up giving a super creepy, shrunken head, crip creeper-like <laughs> head. And it was too ghoulish to put with the rest of his body, which came out great. It's, it shrunk a little bit, so mm -hmm. he's kind of small. He's seated. Uh, but it looks great. <laughs> it has this scary-ass head, and they keep it separate. And although you could see the body with the with the wax head on top anytime, it's just like in the hall at this college. They only bring out the head for special occasions. Ooh, what a treat. <laughs> it's pretty creepy. And people have played college pranks with it, i.e. stealing the head, oh. putting it in rooms, that type thing. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> ah, but alas. Oh, and another thing that I didn't know, there's a whole... 
program to have your ashes launched into space. I'm assuming they go up with the raw shins. <laughs> Most likely, who yeah. Who else would take that up? <laughs> but you could be space waste, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And who knows what will happen in the future. Possibilities are literally endless. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this podcast. Um, it's a pretty morbid topic, but I hope um, you learned something and found it interesting. And got some laughs out of it. I mean, you know, life and death kind of work hand in hand. And, you know, we're not all here forever. Right. So. And there's plenty of beliefs to, <laughs> to keep you busy in the afterlife. But, you know, the idea is to make this life count. So... Keep it, uh, keep it lively. Leave specific instructions mm-hmm. so everybody knows, and um, take comfort in your beliefs and the fact that maybe soon enough your mind could, I don't know, be downloaded to a computer. <laughs> Never know. A computer can mimic what you would say and what you would do. You can upload your mind, and the computer will relate the you. Your body made into a memento. In a computer, your mind will live on. So future generations can know what you thought of while sitting on the john.